Welcome to The Foundry, where leaders are forged daily. Each week we investigate themes of leadership, entrepreneurship, and mindset with some of the greatest minds in real estate. And now, the data scientist of real estate, George Roberts. Welcome back, entrepreneurs. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing DJ McClure, Vice President of Sales and Business Development at National Flood Experts, where he drives strategic growth through partnerships and tailored cost-saving solutions. NFE's many achievements include consecutive appearances on the Inc. 5000 list. With a commitment to innovative flood insurance solutions, NFE has saved clients over $15 million in premiums and has added nearly $300 million in property value. Supported by a team of experienced professionals, NFE is dedicated to providing nationwide clients with education, guidance, and optimal solutions. Well, I know as a property owner myself, that gets my blood running. So with that, uh, let's welcome to the show, DJ McClure. Welcome, DJ. Hey, how are you doing today? Oh, excellent. Thank you for asking. And I want to do this for a long time because it's kind of different. We always interview syndicators and people who are in alternative assets and things like this, but this is something huge, right? Flood insurance, et cetera, flood zones. This really impacts the value of our properties. And I know that it's obvious to us how that is, but maybe when you go out in the, the greater world and say you're at your cocktail party and people ask you, what do you do? How do you respond? Well, you know, at the most simple, we help investors add millions of dollars in property value to their assets nationwide. And there's a lot of different avenues and solutions that, you know, get us to that, you know, value add result. you know, but we're an engineering company at the core. And so we started tackling this industry, you know, from, you know, a more scientific angle. And there's lots of different solutions that we have now kind of added to our tool belt over the years which allow us to help reduce or even eliminate the flood insurance cost for all types of properties across the country. Well, that's great. I want to dig in a little deeper into that tool belt. So what are some of the ways in which you're able to find hidden money in flood zones? Sure. Yeah, flood insurance is an interesting insurance, you know, compared to some other, you know, products that you have to carry for your properties. And that there's a lot of regulation involved, both with how you're required to carry a flood policy and then how those policies are constructed. And so for us, we started tackling the initial overwhelming issue first, which is the lender requirements. And, you know, the flood zones are managed all over the country, you know, by the local municipalities. And, you know, there's a lot of variation. And so what you find is that there are properties that have been grouped into the flood zone that with a deeper analysis you can actually demonstrate to FEMA that those buildings can be taken out of a hundred year flood zone. And so this is a pretty massive solution because now you're talking about the lender requirements for the flood insurance being removed. And George, you can probably already imagine the domino effect of different ancillary benefits that would come from just that simple solution by itself. Well, sure. I mean, the NOI, that's obvious, but then you've also got the, the fact that now all of a sudden, you can sell your property. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so very huge, huge, good stuff. Well, uh, now that makes me wonder. You know, hey, I'm a I'm a building owner. 
I'm always trying to expand you know, about what percentage of your clients are you actually able to help with flood? Uh, I, I don't want to say just, it's not just the flood insurance, but with these sorts of services. Yeah. I mean, we find that we can help about 50% of the properties that we review across the country. And, you know, the flood zone solution is one of the more uh, all-encompassing solutions, has a lot of different benefits, of course. But then we also have different solutions that help reduce the flood insurance cost on the actual insurance policy. You know, so that involves working with the insurance carriers to re-rate, you know, the flood policy to where it has a more favorable premium cost. Primarily, exactly, with, you've, you've got all the data there to say, hey, this is silly. You know, why are you treating this, you know, at, you know, risk, risk level X when we're really, you know, a couple levels below it? Correct. You know, so of those 50% that we qualify a solution, you know, the success rate is pretty close to 100%. And that's largely because, you know, again, this is all very objective. It's engineering data based. And so when you're presenting these findings, whether it's to FEMA or whether it's to, you know, the uh, National Flood Insurance Program, you know, these things are receptive because, you know, you're proving a case, you're providing an extra layer of data to, you know, really prove this scenario true. Yeah. Outstanding. And then, uh, as I understand, you're working with all kinds of commercial uh, real estate assets, not just like multifamily, not just office. So anything exactly. big. Is, is there any guideline like, hey, my property should probably be worth a million dollars or more before it's worthwhile calling you or, or just pretty much if it's commercial call? Yeah, I mean, we have all different types of properties, um, you know, largely in the commercial sector. We do get the occasional single family that'll call us and ask for help. And, you know, we try to help everyone as best we can. But the great thing is that the solutions apply equally across all asset classes. Um, what you do find is that, you know, naturally when you have properties with lots and lots of buildings within the same parcel, whether that's self-storage or an industrial part, uh, multifamily, you know, those types of properties do tend to have a higher success rate because you can have a large variation of the flood elevation and those details from one you know, side of a property to the next. But for us, I mean, if it's a single building, if it's 50 buildings and everything in between, if you're required by a lender, it's definitely worth having a team like ours you know, take a look. Yeah, absolutely. And great point you have there because each one of those buildings is going to have different elevation, different drainage. And so you got to obviously take all that into account. Um, absolutely. I'm thinking in terms of due diligence, like really this usually comes up in acquisitions, right? You you have the great deal, right? Oh, you know, you run the numbers, it looks fabulous. And then you find something out later on, like, oh, wow, you know, hey, it's it's in a floodplain. So, so what do we do now? I'm wondering about the timeline. Like, when do we call you in due diligence? How long is this going to take to get going? Should we call, like, say, as soon as we get it under contract? What do you actually need before you can work your magic? Yeah, great questions. You know, so for us, we take a look at the flood insurance declaration pages. If it's an acquisition, we'd ask for those from the seller. You know, we try to get elevation certificates or topography uh, elevations for the property itself. And then we like to have some type of site survey to identify, you know, if there's multiple buildings. And then at that point, we can do our full review. Now, to answer your question about timeline, naturally, the earlier, the better. Um, sometimes we'll have acquisition teams reach out to us even before the contract has been fully uh, secured. Those, we'll start with an address, get some preliminary details, because we want to make sure that these acquisition teams know in advance if 
a certain number of buildings are going to have a flood insurance requirement because we see it get overlooked all the time. And yeah. the seller may say, oh, I don't have flood insurance. This isn't in a flood zone, but that's because they may not have someone requiring it. And yeah, so they they've made kind of, exactly. They've made like a false, uh, you know, assumption really. Right. And so if we get everything we need in the early parts of due diligence, the review itself only takes a, maybe a few days at most. And we can have a pretty good indication of any positive opportunities that may exist and then start moving in one direction or the other, right? Is it working on the flood policy or is it working on the flood zone? And then, you know, all these solutions can be wrapped up within a matter of weeks. Right. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I did have some questions then about working on the flood zone itself being in development. So most of what you're doing here is really data. You're looking at existing properties. You maybe things change over time, right? So whatever was classified, say, 10, 20, 50 years ago as being a floodplain may or may not be good evidence uh, for that being in a floodplain right now. But then what if you're on the other side of things where, you know, maybe it does belong in a floodplain, but you want to go do something about it? Say you haven't developed anything, maybe you got raw land. So what are some things that you can refer the developer to at that point? Yeah. So it's a big question we get, you know, pretty commonly these days, you know, as developers are moving into tertiary markets, into less, you know, less dense areas of, you know, the urban markets around the country and they're running into flood zones. And mm -hmm. so there are certain limitations in some cases. So starting with like the base topography of what the raw land is at currently, that's where all of our conversations really start. And sometimes we have to do an estimation. Sometimes we can get actual, you know, local uh, surveyors to provide that information. But, you know, we want to find out what the delta is between what's the elevation today, what's the flood elevation proposed to be for that area, and figure out, you know, are we talking about, you know, six, eight, 10 feet of difference? The options might be fairly limited in that case, but, you know, maybe it's only a few feet or less. And we can start looking at, you know, what kinds of creative things can be done from a cost feasibility standpoint. Maybe some dirt can be brought in. Maybe some dirt on the site can be moved around. Um, you know, maybe some drainage scenarios can be created to where, you know, the, the building footprints are slightly higher than that of the rest of the low-lying property. So you have to really look at each situation sort of independently and then figure out, you know, what options might exist for that area uh, specifically. Great. And then maybe we can come back to the acquisition standpoint here. What sort of underwriting strategies, have you got any tips or tricks? Like what should people really be looking out for? And again, you can't always just look at the T12 and say there's no flood insurance. So what sort of things should that uh, investor be looking for? And I'm glad you mentioned that because it's pretty commonly grouped in with the rest of the insurance costs. You know, So if you look at a T12, you know, you're going to see what the insurance cost is, you know, maybe overall, maybe per door. Very rarely do I see um, on a T12 that the flood has been broken out separately. So that's something that, you know, when we're looking at the property and we want to get a copy of the, of the seller's flood insurance documents so that we can break that out. So you can start looking at, you know, what's the pie chart of the insurance look at overall. And then on the flood side specifically, how does that look for the property? Because what's unique about flood insurance, a lot of people don't realize, is that if the policies are written through FEMA's program, there's various carriers that write those policies, but uh, you can assume ownership of the policy from seller to buyer. 
And if the seller has a particularly advantageous price point, then you get to start at that price point where they are today. And then any increases that that policy would see, you're starting from that dollar value today. Whereas in a lot of cases now, uh, with recent changes to FEMA's insurance program, if you wrote a brand new policy with your broker, you may come in 2x, 5x, maybe 10x of what the seller is paying. So this is a strategy that you know you definitely want to keep as a checkbox every time you come across a property in a flood zone. Now you're saying 2x or 5x increase. So that means that you're starting at a much lower level. You're are you telling me that then at the end of the year, uh, whenever that may expire, that that it's going to go up 2x or 5x? Or are you inheriting some of those further benefits? Well, let me give you a good example. So in some cases, there are policies that have existed for a number of years. And so FEMA changed their insurance program about two years ago. And they introduced a concept that's called the full risk premium, meaning that's the ceiling price that they expect that that property should pay ultimately they may or may not be paying the full risk today. So if someone had a, a prior policy through FEMA's program and they're paying, say, 2000 a building, uh, the full risk premium, depending on where it's located in the country and other variables, the full risk could be, let's say, 10000 per building, right? So that's a 5x increase. Whereas if you assume the policies, the buyer would start at that 2000 price point and they would only increase at the maximum cap that FEMA has, which currently is 18%. Got it. So it's kind of like property and uh, taxes. In a lot of states, they cap it. You say you can't go up so much, so and so much percentage per year, right? Exactly. And that's just what they've passed currently. That could change from year to year. Um, but the difference, right? So 2000 is what the seller's paying per building. The full risk premium's at 10000 So if your broker just goes out and writes a brand new policy through FEMA's program, they're going to start day one at that ceiling full risk premium price point. So what that means is that if you as the buyer are able to assume that policy, you're going to go from 2000 to, you know, maybe 4,000 over five years. And then you're going to have a much longer glide path before you'd ever get to 10,000. Right. Yeah. That's huge. And I wish uh, my other insurance policies were attunable like that. That would be really nice. Right. So, okay. So here's another thing that's uh, inheritable by your buyer. I mean, obviously, once you do change the designation, if you're successful, boom, that's something that in perpetual has added to the, the value of your property. So, I mean, my understanding here is that this is just very, very difficult uh, one of those things like, hey, call an expert, don't try this at home. But just for those of us that are a little uh, interested in things like that, those of us who probably took apart uh, the electronic and mechanical things in our house, what does it kind of look behind the scenes? How, how does this work? Sure. So it's a two-part analysis that our team's doing in order to be able to make a successful case to FEMA. So it's a it's an analysis of some of the building details, elevations, and characteristics and then there's also a flood zone analysis that's done at the building level. And so we're pairing these two analyses together. Uh, it's a very objective criteria that we then have to be able to prove to FEMA that this particular set of buildings meets that criteria. And so right. we're not sending cases to FEMA, you know, saying we hope that this case is going to be approved. Not you know, saying, please. Exactly. Mother, may I? 
this is where the, you know, the 99% success comes in because, you know, our team's done thousands right. and thousands of these scenarios. And there's, there's several very unique type property situations that you run into that our teams handled before lots of different types of uh, flood zone categories that have unique uh, ways that you have to make your data prove to FEMA. So, you know, it's like I say, you know, no corporation is going to have, you know, someone in their office just do their own taxes. You know, they're going to have a professional firm that specializes in their particular, you know, field, much like in this case, you know, you want to have, you know, someone with that expertise, mainly because, you know, time is really what everyone's fighting. So, you know, I'm a firm believer that support the industries that can help you get things done the most effectively and efficiently. And then you can focus on other ways to grow your property portfolio. Yeah, it makes sense. Definitely something that I would prefer to leave to an expert. Okay. Well, one of the things that I really liked out of that answer is you mentioned about all these, you know, maybe edge cases or, or different things that you've seen, things that may kind of fall outside the norm that your company has learned to deal with. Maybe you give us a quick case study, uh, maybe something that's a little bit, you know, out of left field that you were able to, to figure out with all the vast experience of your company and help a client. Sure. You know, you have different different types of flood zones. And as you get into the lesser dense areas of the country, um, there's types of flood zones that have just not been studied to the, the same level of detail of that of a more urban area. This would be a flood zone category A. And so what you run into in these cases is that a flood elevation has not been fully established. And so we have a lot of clients that they've moved into, you know, some of these tertiary areas especially in Texas, where there's just so much land that's still not been, you know, developed. Um, and so these projects are unique in that our team's also having to work with uh, the existing flood map, finish the flood model, essentially, you know, do a bit of that work that was not budgeted for potentially by whenever the local municipality had worked most recently on their flood map. And so we had a case once, um, it was quite different because it was a manufactured home property. And those properties can be difficult because, you know, you're not building, you know, uh, like typically in a multifamily scenario, you know, you see those buildings kind of built up a little bit higher compared to the parking lots, you know, whereas with, you know, an MHP property, you know, they're, they're right on the ground. And so we we're working with existing topography and we were trying to help this particular owner free up as many of these, you know, housing spots because they wanted to bring in more of these manufactured homes. And they are very limited by what they could do because of the flood elevation. You know, differently with those cases, they put those types of buildings on, you know, some type of cinder block or some type of, you know, other foundation type. And so they were very, very limited and they were kind of locked in the project. And we were able to go in and free up the entire property. And because it had been an understudied flood zone, they were just essentially at the consequence of the flood map. And so we went in, we were able to go in and do... Um, you know, a little bit different type of flood zone project in that we removed the land itself. It wasn't specific to any actual building numbers. And so this gave them a lot of flexibility. You know, this was the token of about a $50,000 savings because they had insurance costs built in. And so that 50,000 isn't even including the value of the land that they now had access to, to bring in. I think they were looking at another 
50 to 60 of these types of buildings. It was a fairly large property, but it was unique in asset type. It was unique in, you know, what they were able to do and because of the flood zone type. And so, yeah, it's, it's fun when you can solve these kind of curious riddles. Yeah, that's really awesome. And I love the NOI angle. I mean, wow. I mean, saving like 50,000 bucks. <laughs> you can see the wheels turning in the audience right now, how much that's going to be worth uh, versus their cap rate. But hugely, that's something that plays into refinance. And with all this debt maturing these days, you know, maybe you can give us an example there about how this can really help you find some value. 100%. Yeah, we got another another client um, this summer. You can actually find his testimonial on our website talking about his refinance. Um, and so we worked with him before he had, you know, really gone into, you know, working the numbers with his lender. He had, it was roughly a 30,000 um, annual flood expense that his lender was requiring of the flood insurance. Um, and so, you know, fairly straightforward projects in terms of the flood zone and I say straightforward because it's a, a, a you know a situation that we see pretty commonly. This particular individual is in California, and so being able to eliminate the lender requirement for that thirty thousand, he then takes and is able to realize that into the NOI value going into his refinance. That was an extra half million in his cash out scenario that he had told us. We talked to him. I guess it was about a month after the refinance had closed, and so. You know, these were real numbers. These were real money, as people like to say. And, you know, that is bonus in a lie because in no way generally is that really put into the business plan into any other value add scenario, you know, how you're going to bring some unexpected NOI growth to the property. Yeah, absolutely. All right, there you go. Yeah, I must be allergic to all those high expenses, but love that. Uh, Example there, glad I didn't have to sneeze. And in the end, I just want to make sure that people have an opportunity to come and reach out to you. So if you're a building owner that thinks they might benefit from your services, what's the best way to reach out to DJ McClure? E email, website, carrier pigeon, smoke signals. How do, how do we get in contact with you? Yeah, if you'd like to reach out, just shoot an email to info at nationalfloodexperts.com. Those emails, they, they get copied through my way. So I'll see them as they come through. And, you know, we'll have one of our team follow up, you know, generally within uh, same day or next to start asking questions and figuring out if it's a scenario that we can help with. You know, I encourage people to check out our website, nationalfloodexperts.com. We've put together a tremendous amount of uh, education and video content from our actual clients telling you know, right. what value they receive from the project. It's easy to hear it from us, right? But hearing right. it straight from the the ownership, what problem it solved from them, you know, that's really what makes it really go from conceptual to real. And so love to yeah help anyone that we can. I love it. Well, thank you so much for taking your time to share your knowledge and experience with our audience, DJ. Thank you for having me. Great to be here.